Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Is everybody ready? Monday, Monday. Just another manic Monday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Happy Monday. Happy belated Easter Sunday. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day, your week, your lives. We greatly appreciate it. Broadcasting live today from our Vivint Smart Home Arena studios, Austin across the glass from me as usual, and social distancing from the Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Hello, Gordon. Hi, Jake. How are you today? I am terrific. Yourself? I'm. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, everything seems to be. Everyone seems to be hanging in there, and we hope that's the case for you and for yours and for Austin and his and all our listeners out there. How was your Easter? Did the uh, Did the bunny make it by? The bunny did come by, and uh, I someone. <laughs> Uh, apparently Lisa did something nice for somebody. And so these friends of ours who are really good friends, thanks, Carrie, brought by a uh, an Easter bunny loaf of bread. And the big debate in our house was who's going to cut off the head of the bunny and eat it. It's a very, very strange debate and way to look at it. Well, I was the one that cut off the head. Mm. And ate it, and it was the best part. Very, but anyway, very, very uh, telling about you. But well, I mean, <laughs> it's one of those things where who's going to be the first one to cut into a pie? Who's going to be the first one to cut into a cake? Who's going to be who's going to be that person? Who's going to be the person that opens the box of treats? I mean, everybody sits there and looks at it and thinks, "Oh, I, I don't know if I want to be the first one to do that." So I went ahead and did that, and it was good. So, yeah, we had a good Easter. We had a good family time together and hope you did as well. Yep. How did how did little Sadie uh uh take now that she's pretty aware of what's going on? Did the uh, did, was she appreciative of the Easter bunny's treats? Um well, yes, very much. And it we had a great day. It, it was tough not to have the grandparents around, of course, you know. Uh, Easter, uh, of course, sharing it with family is a big deal. So that was a little bit of an adjustment, you, you know, uh, having them watch the Easter egg hunt on, on uh, FaceTime or whatever, you know, a bit of an adjustment. But it, it was great. She, uh, she, I, I think I told you last year when she had her first Easter egg hunt, she was, like, randomly good at it. <laughs> uh, let's just say she's even better now. I, I mean, I was, well, let's see, I helped the Easter Bunny with uh, some ideas for some hiding spots, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I thought I was... I thought it was pretty good. You know what I mean? I thought, okay, I'm going to make this a little tough. Um, she was, she was nails, man. She was so sniffing, were you helping those things out like crazy. 
Were you like helping the Easter Bunny hide the eggs up on the roof? No, not not quite up on the roof because you know two and a half, a little young for a ladder, Gordon. Uh, I know. Well, uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, you've got your kid out there flying kites and stuff, and I, I just wondered maybe uh, Sadie's advanced. You know, that reminds me of one time uh, Lisa helped the Easter Bunny and was hiding eggs around the house, and she found one in like July. <laughs> yeah. I believe I, said, I bet that happens a lot, actually. I said, did you overcook that a little bit when you hid that one if you couldn't find it until July? Anyway, so we hope everybody had a good one. Well, yeah, I uh, hopefully, you know, different circumstances, and I'm sure that was was hard on a lot of families, but hopefully people still, uh, you know, had a had a chance to, to take some joy out of the occasion, you know, certainly. Well, I, I was telling uh, my wife this. Uh, this is certainly an Easter we will absolutely never forget. So. Yeah, that's for sure. That is for sure. You'll look back and say, remember back in 20 when, uh, you know, this will be uh, 60 years from now, and you'll be edged up on 100 years old. 120, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not quite, I guess. That's true, 100 but, years old. But, uh, Anyway, you're right. And you mentioned the grandparents. It is tough looking at it from the other side of it. It's tough on us grandparents looking uh, not really being able to uh, have access to some of our grandkids who really don't live that far away. And I know in your case that's the way it is, but everybody's trying to be good citizens and uh, responsible social distancers so that's really what we're up to these days yeah no doubt so we'll uh we've got a big show planned for you here tonight today on the big show you know that makes sense big show big show uh chris mannix is going to join us as he makes his uh, monday visit to the show looking forward to talking to chris as always ryan mcdonald of the deseret news he covers uh, a bunch of stuff but mostly the jazz he's going to join us at the top of the five o'clock hour and of course uh i don't know if you knew this gordon but Rudy Gobert had some comments over the weekend, and uh, that, uh, I imagine, is going to be a hot topic on the show, especially considering you wrote about it. I did write about it. I don't know if that column's been posted. I wrote about it previously, then I wrote about it again. So uh, we'll see uh, when that column gets posted. But, uh, yeah, lots going on in that regard. And, uh, I mean, really, at this point, everyone's left to – guess what the ramifications are because nobody knows for sure except for those two gentlemen you know they're the ones who have to know they're the ones who have to figure it out and i i don't know jake uh you never know which direction these things are going to go but you have to believe with the conscientious nature if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint i know you can look at it from a negative one if you want to there's evidence on both sides but from a positive standpoint with the kind of leadership the Jazz have from Dennis Lindsay straight through Quinn Snyder and all the assistant coaches and whatnot, you'd think that with these two characters, they would be able to patch this thing back together. But really, ultimately, it's up to them. All right. It's up we, to them. We will get to that in the split story of the day. Uh, Austin is here, as I mentioned. Austin, how was your weekend? You doing all right? Uh, doing good. Tried to fly a kite to try and stick it to Gordon, <laughs> and Gordon's right. You shouldn't be flying a kite. Apparently <laughs> it rained. Yep. Did you, <laughs> did you I discovered to, electricity. Did you uh, try to fly kite in the rain? Austin? Indeed. It wasn't raining when I was driving there. As soon as we got out, got the kid in the stroller, got into the park, got the kite all tied together, ready to go, and it started raining. So, Did you tie a key to the kite like uh, Jake was uh, suggesting? 
Did I put a what? A key. A key. Like Ben Franklin. No, no, I, uh, I didn't, because you know me, that would have worked. <laughs> Wouldn't have been something today, Jake. It, we come in, we're ready to do the show, and Austin has a story about an, uh, a, a lightning bolt. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't be... I don't want to see smoke coming out of your ears, Austin. Austin's got enough uh, on his plate without tempting fate, Gordon. That just doesn't <laughs> seem like a good plan for him. Yeah, probably not. But good Easter, Austin. Everything go all right? Good Easter, yeah. Good. I'm grateful for what we have, absolutely. All right, good. No, well uh, said. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're even uh, got to tease this. Coming up at the top of 3 o'clock hour, we're going to launch a new segment, Gordon. So stay tuned for that. Action, Action-packed day. Right here on the big show. But let's dive into the Rudy situation, Gordo. Uh, let's get to it. It's time for the split story of the day. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone <laughs> and The Zone Sports Network. Is there any truth to these rumors that are going on right now that you all's relationship cannot be saved and you aren't speaking and all of these things? It's true that we didn't speak for a while after this, but we did spoke a few days ago. And, you know, like I said, we both ready to, to go out there and try to win a championship for this team. You know, it's, it's not about being a professional. And, you know, everyone got different relationships. Everyone got, you know, it's never perfect. Uh, married, people that are married, you know, it's never perfect. So, you know, me and my teammate, no, it's not. It's far from perfect. But at the end of the day, we both want the same thing. And it's winning. And, you know, and we both... Grown man, and we're both gonna do what it takes to win. All right, Gordon. Comments from Rudy Gobert released yesterday, talking about, and, and of course, we spent a lot of time on Friday talking about the athletic, uh, the report in the athletic, talking about their uh, relationship being unsalvageable. And um, there's Rudy saying he and Donovan have spoken and they're both going to behave like, uh, you know, professionals and adults and figure out a way to pull in the same direction. And that's certainly what you want to hear from Rudy Gobert, uh, because I think a lot of jazz fans out there are, are concerned about the future, you know, with these two pillars of the franchise. Yeah, there, and, and that is really that's the nut of it right there. Both of these guys so important to the jazz and there's a lot that goes into this in the past, in the present, and in the future. And in order to do what the Jazz, I think, I figure, will want to do, they have to, to build on this foundation. And if, if there are cracks in it, then, then those things need to be fixed. And they need to be fixed in a hurry. And if you want to look at it negatively, which is what I wrote about, both the negative and the positive of it, uh, there are reasons for concern, even even if these guys are grown, quote unquote, grown men and want, and want to win a championship. They still need to find a way to communicate, find a way to work together, to row in the same direction. And maybe most importantly, or just as importantly, how to coordinate their efforts on the court. This is something that has to happen uh, because this is the very foundation, and so those two have to find a way to feel happy, to feel satisfied with with what they're doing together, and and other teammates have to come into this as well. It's not just these two guys; it's everybody has to come together. And this is what Quinn Snyder has stressed from the beginning. And so I imagine, from his standpoint, that he has to feel like, "Come on, fellas, 
you know, I'm all about team, coaching this team, having this thing work together. And, yeah, I got star players. Some are more important than others. But you guys got to find a way to come together and get this done. And I'm sure that's these are the discussions that are being had right now. And But ultimately, who's got the power? The guys themselves. They're the ones that have to find a way. Yeah, and and this is kind of what we suspected. You know, Gordon, relationships aren't perfect. Uh, I think we've all been there in our own lives, and sometimes a little time needs to happen, and some conversations need to happen. And within a lot of di- or you know, with a lot of difficult situations, I think you know you can come through healthier, or at least with a better understanding uh, where people are coming from on the other side. And and I do think that that's a positive from the Jazz standpoint. They have some big decisions to make on these guys and they don't want those decisions to be made because of something like this. They want to make sound basketball decisions, but I got to admit, uh, I am waiting to hear Donovan because yes. uh, I think, it, I think Rudy has a lot, um, a lot of motivation to make sure that this relationship is a healthy one. Uh, he's got a lot of reasons, um, to, to get along and coexist with Donovan Mitchell. Um, Donovan, I, I think is where the source of kind of the negativity has come from through all of this, at least, you know, the good morning America thing, um, at at very least, you know, it seems like we haven't heard about the mending the fence part from Donovan. And I am waiting to hear from him, uh, about this situation, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Although I, I think time is a healthy thing, as I said. Yeah, I would agree with that. And as you know, this is what I wrote about, and, and we'll see when they post that column. But uh, it, it is so important, Jake, what you said there. So very important. Nobody's saying, and no one has ever said, that these two have to be best buds, that they have to be best friends. You know, if they have to hang out together, spend their free time together. Uh, no, that's not what this is about. This is about coordinating the efforts in the locker room and on the floor and making sure that everybody else lines up behind the star players. Right. And it's like what happens, Jake, when Sadie comes in and and says uh, to Naz, hey, hey, mom, can I uh, can I go play in the backyard? And Naz says no. And then Naz comes to you and says, hey, Dad, can I go play in the backyard? And you say, sure, why not? <laughs> no, that's not the way it works. As you know, I'm sure, and Sadie's smart enough, and all y'all who are parents out there know your kids are smart enough to figure out who's the weak link and then to take advantage of that. No, it's got to be a united front. Same thing with basketball, man. It's got to be a united front. I don't care if you're not best friends. Who's expecting that? Who's expecting that? That's like asking you, Jake, to be best friends with Austin. We, I mean, we know how that would go. How would that no. go? Uh, well, uh, you know, it, it might be a little bit of a bumpy ride Why? here and there. I like Austin. I thought you told me you didn't. Well, that was somebody else. Oh. But obviously you guys are good working together. You know, obviously it's we a were. smooth. <laughs> Until somebody, uh, you know, uh, decided to do, do I, drive do a I, wedge right into the relationship. Thank <laughs> you for that. Obviously, I'm kidding. But, you know, obviously, you don't have to be best buds in order to work well together. That's my point. Everybody knows that. And so the expectation shouldn't be at a level, okay, guys, let's go have a barbecue in the backyard together. Yeah, nobody is thinking that or suggesting that. But But have each other's back in a huge way. 
when it comes time to do battle out on the floor. You know, but I hope Rudy is processing some of this, too. And, and this, of course, is just us uh, speculating about, uh, you know, things that we don't know fully. But, you know, I think there has been some selfish behavior on Rudy's part. Um, you and I have disagreed about this sort of thing at times. I, I really think it was a terrible idea to call out the whole team nine games in. I, I think well, as it turns was, out, the team thought that was a bad idea, too. Right. Because, of course, they did. Because that's and, really, and you that's were, really so selfish behavior. you were right behavior. is what I'm, you oh, were right. Hey, hey, today is a good day. <laughs> <laughs> Today is a, a terrific day. I didn't think I didn't think it was that big a deal, but I think the team did think it was a big deal, and that's what you said. And turns out you were right. Well, I think he can, you know, he he can use this as a way to to become more of a team, have more of a team perspective, or at least you know personify that a little bit more. So we'll we'll see. I like I said, Gordon. You know, with conflict, sometimes you can you can figure some stuff out and stuff comes to a head so to speak you just hope that it's not what that unnamed source said to the athletic unsalvageable because if that proves to be true um you know then then that's a different scenario but but how many times have we in our personal lives uh you know drawn a line in the sand only to uh like hours later be like you know what it's all good i'll draw another another uh, line back here you back know, up a little more. I, I do it three, four times a show with you, Gordon. You know, it's like, that's it. I've had enough. And then next thing you know, we have a few laughs and the line goes back a little further. So uh, you hope that that's the situation with these guys. And they can, you know, get it to the point where they can work together for each other's mutual benefit because that's the idea, right? Um and, and but you, I, I still want to hear from Donovan. I do. I want to. I want to hear from his perspective, and we'll see when and if that happens. And that might take some time yet. Uh, I, but it's got to happen before they take the court again, whenever that is. I mean, that's – and there's no reason to let it fester for too long because then all kinds of things can happen. Communication is so important, and with Rudy saying that they did communicate uh, recently, that, that, that that's a positive first step, obviously. So they, that has to happen, and it has to be – as put together as possible before they're they're out on the floor again together, and I'm I'm talking about practice, not just not just actual games. It has to it has to be buttoned up and move forward and in, in a cohesive way uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, although it doesn't have to happen right now, uh, it would be nice if it did for them, but uh, I don't think that's necessary. No, but I mean Rudy does depend on Donovan. That that yeah. remains a fact through all of this. And actually, even when Donovan or excuse me, when Rudy was kind of calling out the team nine games in, he even alluded to this, that he's dependent on his teammates to uh, for offensive production. And that is still true and will remain true for a while until Rudy and to get and to get him the ball. Right. That, exactly. Yeah. Get him the ball in a position where he actually can score and. Uh, and if he wants to be viewed as a two-way player, like it or not, he's dependent on his teammates. And so he needs to get the relationship to the point where they will help him and continue to help him. And, and to tell you the truth, Jake, I think that was part of the problem earlier. And this gets back to what I wrote about and what you and I have talked about at times. Uh, I think earlier in the year there were times when Rudy was calling for the ball and wasn't getting it. And uh, that's the advantage Donovan has over Rudy, obviously Rudy has to depend on others like you were talking about for his touches, 
And uh, Donovan doesn't need – he can create his own shot. He's one of the few jazz players that can do that. And so he's not as dependent in that regard as Rudy is. Right, which which does – you know, it, this jazz season was just so fascinating thus far uh, to look at how it's played out because it was weird. Or it's been weird, Gordon, with the the hot streaks and the losing streaks and the, you know, what lineups are playing when when they're being successful. And there there were instances where Rudy had his guy pinned under the hoop. There were also instances where where Rudy was was going to go one on one and made some really bizarre moves because he's trying to develop that part of his game because he wants to be a max guy. He wants to, as all players do you know, maximize their potential financially. I mean, that's not something that's unique to Rudy, but he's dependent on his teammates to do that. And so that manifests itself in a weird way early in the season. This this year was just, it's been so bizarre so far. And maybe, you know, we're seeing a little bit of that come to the surface because of a truly unique situation, which makes this just a fascinating time in jazz history, in my opinion. Yeah, and like you, and what you're alluding to, there are the expectations that we're building around this team. And so they go out and they're all eager to contribute. And as most confident stars think, uh, I can help this team do it and I give me the ball or let me create my shots to help us get there. And then when the other side is, is going, hey, what about me? Uh, all with people expecting this jazz team to do fantastic things, then that's the intrigue of which you speak. And it's it's something that has to be coordinated in order to make it uh, efficient and consistent. And this gets back to something that we talked about throughout the offseason and that if you add Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, those are some mouths to feed, so to speak. And whose, you know, opportunities to score, whose touches, whose shots, where was that all going to come from? And I bet you Rudy, you know, knew that storyline going into the season just like anybody else. And he said, if I'm going to get my deal, that that can't be me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when that's, you know, conflicting with you did need to work those guys in. I mean, if you don't let we've we've had this conversation. If you don't let a guy like Bogdanovich take a bunch of shots, well, I mean, you're hurting the team. That's what he's here to do. You know, Mike Conley uh, scoring 20-plus points a game uh, coming into this year. You know, that's what he does. If, if if he's not doing that, then why is he here? And not to that extent, but I think you get to what, you know, what I'm saying. They're yeah. going to have to put those puzzle pieces together and – and Rudy was Rudy. Rudy's got a lot on the line, and so it it makes it much more complex, I think, than it would have been maybe last year, Gordon, if they did this. Yeah, I I agree. And and okay, on the overlay, then you have Quinn Snyder who's trying to coordinate this effort. And on the other hand, Rudy, do you think Rudy wants to surprise his coaches? He wants to surprise the the club. He wants to surprise his teammates. He wants to surprise the world. Hey, look at me! Look what I'm capable of doing, and uh, and and maybe nobody else is really sure of that yet, except where he is. And this has been his track record, like you were talking about, since he's been with the Jazz. Yeah, trying to exceed expectations as far as his own personal performance goes. And when those expectations for the team are heavy on top of that, now comes this this additional pressure that, uh, hey, wait a minute, fall in line here and make this work. Don't necessarily experiment as we go. Right. 
And I think we all like to view team sports through rose-colored glasses that these guys are all best friends and, and, and are pulling in the right direction and they're not self-interested. And as we've talked about a million times, they're humans. And they have the same emotions and feelings and tendencies that we all do. And especially when you throw in that they've got a limited window to make as much money as they can to set up their, their families, you know, it, it makes it so there's some conflicting ideals sometimes because at its very basis, as you point out a lot, it's a team sport. You don't succeed unless the guy next to you succeeds. So it's this conflict of I need to be selfish, but at the same time I'm trying to help my team win. And it's weird, you know, right down to – um. Gordon, you can you can study it out. The case history in it is is amazing. Guys in contract years and how they perform. Yeah. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. <laughs> so are they bad teammates the rest of their contract? Or do they just dig a little deeper in that contract year because they've got a lot on the line? You know, they're humans. That's how they react. But it's 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 crazy. If you look back at players in contract years, I, I wonder what the percentage of improvement would be. I bet it'd be double digits that those players on average are 10% better than they are the rest of their career. Hey, here's a homework assignment to assign Locke. How about that? He's coming on with us for an hour this week, so we might as well give him something to chew on. (laughs) But uh, you know what I mean? Make sure you give him that before he comes on so that he will have had a chance to dive into it. Looking out uh, for the old number one, you know, looking out for yourself, it, it complicates things in a team sport. Who knew? Well, isn't that the case? Like, let's say you're a college student. And are you, there are peaks and valleys. There are times when you ramp up for the big test, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just a consistent line. It's uh, there. Yeah, there are times any athlete peaks at certain times. And when there is that uh, remuneration at stake, then, yeah, you have a tendency to sharpen everything up and be at your uh, at your peak so that you can get that. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that, that makes sense for a lot of folks. And maybe some of our listeners uh, can relate to that at, at, in the workplace or, or even in their personal relationships, that uh, there are times when this ebbs and flows a little bit and you want to be at your best when it's most important. All right, we want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to the complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. I'd be curious to uh, take the temperature of jazz fans after hearing from Rudy over the weekend. What do you think? about what's going on with the two pillars of this franchise. We'll get to that coming up uh, at Jake Scott's own, at Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton. We can do open mics as well. We've got a new segment debuting at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. We'll get to that. Chris Mannix at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Bet.com. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 of the Zone. Band of the Day today, the Rolling Stones. Selected by my daughter, Sadie, and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Buy concert tickets and get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. She actually selected this uh, yesterday when she you know picked the record. Jake, you, you are an old soul when it comes to music. I mean, you can appreciate the new stuff, too, but you are definitely couched in old-time rock and roll, I have a feeling that you're passing this tradition on to your daughter. Because I, she, I hope so. She has tremendous taste. Not that she knows what she's picking, but she's got an eye for it. I don't know if she has an ear for it, but she's got an eye for it. Well, she would know what she was picking if we allowed her to find the Alvin and the Chipmunks record, which we have cleverly <laughs> hidden. <laughs> because she can sniff that one out. Uh, of a stack of a hundred, she's well. <laughs> you know, we appreciate the fact that you've hidden that one. Did you hide it at the DI? What do you no. mean? You? No, 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 because I, I do. It's, it's like Alvin and the Chipmunks singing old country hits, like old country hits, and it is sounds like hell, right? But it does have some, you know, nostalgic whatever. But it, it, every day is a little much. Now, you know, Lisa. And Whitney, and, and I, I don't know, they, we sort of made them a part of the show, as we have with Naz, uh, through talking about them and our experiences and whatnot. But Sadie, little little Sadie, little did she know that we were going to turn her into a radio superstar on the big show. I don't know about superstar, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I've actually had fun with this. Uh, she's been picking, picking records for me every morning for a while now. But during this whole pandemic, uh, after the earthquake, I thought it'd be fun to kind of share it online. And she's got a lot of good feedback. Oh, yeah, this is this is it. <laughs> this is her favorite. This is this is the album. It, it's oh. on the album. That's her favorite. Yeah. You know, I hate to tell you this, uh, Jake, but when I even when I was a kid, we listened to this stuff. Oh, yeah, I so, loved the Chipmunks when I was a kid. Like, this is, so what the hell split. is he saying? <laughs> Which of the Chipmunks is the best singer? It's Alvin. He's the lead. Oh, he's the lead, but is he the best? I don't know. Chipmunks. <laughs> I do love David Seville yelling at him in the back background. Uh, man, this this is going back to the fifties, man. I don't. When did the Chipmunks get started? I don't even know. But didn't we look that up the other day? Anyway, yeah, I can't remember so, what it was. But you're passing on this tradition, and apparently she's dragging the the Chipmunks with us. Yep. 
Hey, I've got a reaction real quick here to this Rudy Donovan thing, and and we do have more to get to today. We'll talk about the the horse matchup. Uh, Brian, I watched it. Brian yeah. Winhorst of ESPN uh, laid out maybe the NBA's plans to get back to things when we get the go ahead. But uh, what do you think about this tweet coming in from Mark? And mm-hmm. uh, granted, this is this is an aggressive tweet, but I'm curious to your thoughts because okay. it is out there. Uh, Mark says the rift is another good reason why the Jazz should part ways with Rudy. He has zero offensive skills. Opponents really have to guard four Jazz players instead of five when he's on the court. Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, if you want to look at it strictly from a perimeter standpoint, yeah. But teams have to be aware of Rudy because he takes the lob dunks and, and punishes team with a very high uh, proficiency. I mean, he shoots 70% from the floor. So... They have to be aware of him. So I'm not saying – I don't think he's a complete liability at the offensive end. I and, st- def- and defensively, think about – the two, Locke, Locke would tell you this. The two favored shots, the two preferred shots in the NBA these days are at the basket and from three-point range. And Rudy essentially, on a lot of occasions at least, erases the, the shots at the basket. So his value is obviously high, even if he doesn't fit into the modern definition of what a five can do on some teams shooting a long ball. So I said this last year, Gordon. I I think Quinn Snyder uh, made Rudy into an offensive weapon last season. I mean, a, a true offensive weapon. I still believe that. In fact, I think it's gotten, I, I think it's gotten better. And if you look at all the Jazz lineups, the ones with Rudy on the floor are far better than the ones with Rudy off the floor. So I do not uh, uh, come along with Mark's tweet uh, entirely, certainly. But he is reliant on his teammates. That that is a fact. And one thing that concerns me is teams can guard Rudy with smaller players because if they get between he and the basket, they can still cause problems. If Rudy could get to the point where he's just dunking on anybody that stands in front of him and he can hold on to that basketball even when somebody's between he and the basket, I mean, concern alleviated, and he will be a dominant force. So right now he still struggles with some of those things, so I get where Mark is coming from a little bit. However, I I don't think that that is that extreme, and nor do I think that Rudy's – current offensive limitations are a reason just to cut bait. Yeah, I agree with that. He's too valuable in other ways, especially at the defensive end. Think about what that Jazz defense would look like without Rudy Gobert there. Right. But but here's I the mean, thing, though. It, he... it, it, it would not be pretty. And I understand at the offensive end, everyone's trying to draw him away from the basket and all that stuff, and, and sometimes they're effective in doing that. But that's – still teams have to deal with he's a difference maker that teams have to plan for and work around and in some cases change up what they're doing because his presence i agree but here's where the 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 tweeter i think has a point a team like houston should never be allowed to get away with guarding rudy with pj tucker as soon as soon as a team thinks about going that small against the utah jazz they should think against it because rudy is just going to score 40 points I mean, that's, that's where he's got to get, right? You can't get taken out of the game by somebody who's 6'6". He's got to get over that. He's got to figure out a way to just dominate that player and make teams adjust to him. Okay, so what is the, what is the pathway for that? Does he have to be able to 
have a, a, a low post move, maybe a, a quick dribble or two, or should he just keep the ball high and you know do a a little fade away or or some kind of move that is effective against a strong guy, although sizably uh, shorter, uh, like PJ Tucker. So there are a couple of things I've talked to Coach Chiesa about this a little bit, and he, he talked about how Rudy has high hips, so he's he he's not built. He gets, he gets pushed out. Yes, he's not built as powerfully as somebody like Derek Favors, for example, right? So naturally, mm-hmm. he's got that working against him. He's got to get a little bit stronger. He's got to get a little bit bigger. So somebody like P.J. Tucker is just going to get run over regardless uh, of those high hips. And I know his hands have gotten better, certainly since he was a rookie, but those have got to go to the next level. Think Derek Favors again. Gordon, how often did we ever see Derek Favors stripped going to the basket? I mean, hardly ever. Hardly Mm -hmm. ever. Rudy's got to get to that point with his hands where when, when he's going to the basket and he's going up, there's nothing you can do about it. Those two things at the bare minimum, and if you can bring along some sort of post game or, or some sort of Euro step or dribble or whatever, if that comes along eventually or some sort of jump shot, then all the better. But those two things minimum. He's got to get a little stronger to overcome his natural, um, you know, kind of, again, high hips. That's working against him. So to overcome that, he's got to get a little stronger. And then those hands, Gordo. He's got to catch everything. And he can't get stripped, and he can't get blocked at the rim by a player of that size. Can't happen. So those not, those are the two things where he really needs to to get there. I think he doesn't handle the ball a lot, but if memory serves, what was he averaging about one point eight or nine turnovers a game? Oh, uh, give me a second. I, I can tell you. Exactly yeah, what it, I, is. it was. It seems like it was something like that. I agree with you that he needs to improve in that regard. However, I do think I have seen progress, as you also suggested, that he's uh, he's better with his hands than he once was. One point nine turnovers. One point nine. One point nine. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, he he can get better. He, you know, Carl Malone was. Uh, you described him as being dependent on his teammates to get him the ball. And I know Carl played in a different era, but Carl would be absolutely effective now as he was. Back in the day, in my opinion, uh, but he was dependent on his teammates, namely John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek, to get him the ball. Uh, but he could do exactly what you were just talking about: punish players at the rim, even if he was being guarded. So, uh, and I'm not suggesting that Rudy Gobert the expectation should be that he turns into Carl Malone, but he, alongside his ability to position himself himself for for a lob pass a high pass to dunk, if he could just add that. If if P.J. Tucker or somebody like that is standing between him and the basket, a man of his size, should he not be able to, to go up over that guy? Yeah. I mean, and, and maybe a dunk or, or maybe a little flip shot or something. We have seen evidence of him being able to do that on occasion, just maybe not consistently the the ultimate example and and we don't need to go down the 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 road of whether or not Shaq was a good basketball player but can you imagine if a team thought for a second about putting somebody who was 6'6 on Shaq <laughs> I mean that the the coach that brought that up would have been fired right I mean some coach would be like hey let's throw PJ Tucker out there on Shaq see what he can do that coach would have been immediately shown the door uh, not that Rudy's ever going to be somebody like Shaq, but, I mean, Shaq wasn't really offensive skilled. He didn't uh, develop that skyhook until, what, at least halfway through his career. 
So if if Rudy could be somebody that like if he gets the ball in the paint, it's an automatic two. I mean that's where he needs to be, right? Regardless mm-hmm. of who's of who's guarding him. But you can't let teams go small if Rudy's going to be on the floor. He's got to punish him. Has to. And that seems that doesn't seem like that far a stretch, does it? No, not to me. I mean, especially you said now when he was going up against Clint Capella, that was that would be challenging for anybody. But he certainly should be able to punish a smaller player. But see that that's the brilliance of it, though, because if Houston has to have Clint Capella on the floor to stop Rudy, that takes them out of what they want to do, which yeah. is switch mm-hmm. everything and get everybody out of the paint so Russell Westbrook and James Harden can go to work. And I realize. Capella is not still on the team, but that's the idea: is is you don't let teams do what they want to do; they have to adjust to you, and, and they have, have to have somebody to body up Rudy. There were occasions when the Jazz were able to do that. Uh, who? What team was it that that went small ball and Rudy went for over twenty points? I'm trying Dallas. to remember. Uh, it, 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 so I mean, he can do it. He just needs to do it in a more consistent way. And then, because how many times did, after games, did we have people who would contact us and say, come on, they're going small, punish them with Rudy, punish them with Rudy. Mm-hmm. Rudy, go to work on these guys. Because that is a trend in the league. It seems like that's kind of the latest little thing that people love to do. But uh, I think there should be ways around that. And then Rudy is so valuable to defensive end, like we talked about. I, I really don't. I get it. Sometimes those offensive uh, deficiencies are there, and it's frustrating to watch for those who are rooting for the Jazz to win. But he makes he makes up for it in so many ways that are important to the Jazz. I I don't know. Anytime people diminish Rudy's importance or his the 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 uh, the, the the amount of the difference he makes for the Jazz, it it just kind of doesn't sit with me very well because of all the positives that he brings. All right, coming up next, we'll get Gordon's thoughts on what happened in the old horse tournament over oh the weekend. Uh, stay tuned. We've got a new feature coming up at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. Top of the 4 o'clock hour, Chris Mannix, our good friend from Sports Illustrated, and Ryan McDonald of the Des News at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take the zone with
Afternoon Show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordo, did you dial into the uh, horse competition with Mike Conley? I did. I watched it. Uh, it was kind of hard to watch because it was, uh, I don't know, the, the cameras they were using and whatnot, a little uh, less than ideal. But uh, I'll tell you, Mike Conley takes it to uh, Tamika Catchings big time. She uh, She couldn't stay with him. He was uh, utilizing various shots that she had no chance to make. In fact, the way she shot the ball made me feel like maybe you or I could go out and beat her. I, you know, and I, I hesitate to say those kinds of things because I hear people ripping the WNBA and players and all this stuff too frequently. I think they're better than they get credit for. But Mike had no trouble dusting that uh, little competition off. No, what do you think about uh, the competition as a whole? We we brought this up with a lot of people, a lot of our guests last week. Did it scratch your basketball itch? Uh, yeah, not really. Not really. I, I know we're, we're a little bit uh, hungry for any kind of competition right now, but uh, may, maybe the next round, maybe the, the, you know, the semifinals and the finals will do it for me a little more. But I remember watching way back in the, uh, when was that? It was around 1970 or so when the NBA had a one-on-one competition. And uh, I, was, I really liked that. I really was into that. I think the final, if I remember correctly, was JoJo White against Bob Lanier. And I think Bob won it, won it all. But, uh, but anyway, it was, I thought that was more compelling than this was. Yeah, I just it's still just not basketball, Gordon. And I, I guess there's the star appeal and celebrity appeal or whatever. I mean, the production value wasn't terrific, but how could it be? I'm not going to fault them right. too much for that because, you know, difficult times and all that. But it, if I'm boiling it down to did it satisfy my thirst for basketball? No, it didn't. In fact, I think one-on-one would be a much more intriguing competition, but obviously that's not – possible in today's day and age so i don't i don't want to come on here and just blast away gordon because i certainly yeah. respect the effort and something's right. better than nothing uh but i mean was it enough to excite me not really yeah i i and i don't know what it was you know being in different places and one in the case of mike and uh he was indoors and she was outdoors and the setting was different and the i, I don't know just uh it it wasn't smooth for me, uh, but but it's the best they can do under these circumstances, and I get that. By the way, where was Mike Conley? Was that his home gym? Didn't he tell us that on Friday that he was going to be playing? I thought so, and um, uh, most of Twitter thought so as they were talking about it. Boston was telling us, and maybe I must have missed this, that uh, they said he was in Connecticut or something. No, it said Columbus, no, no. Ohio. Ohio. Which he's from Columbus, Ohio. So maybe that would make some and sense. And he went to school there. So was it like a his high parents school? lived there? His dad's his agent, has some money. Because it was maybe a they huge. Got a gym. It was a huge gym. Yeah. So I mean, if that was part of his house, good on him. 
<laughs> and meanwhile, Tamika Catchings is out shooting in the driveway. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the best look in the world. <laughs> Saw a lot of people reacting to the gym Mike was in, though, because he was the only one indoors, right? Uh, that I saw, and uh, he <laughs> I looked like a nice facility. I, look, I'm not going to begrudge a man a gym. I mean, if he's got a gym attached to his house that looks like that, then good for him. But uh, Jody you know, Guinnessy reporting Connie play, Conley played from his home gym in Columbus, Ohio. So he has a house there. So there you go. So his home gym, not in that's the gym where he usually plays with other people, his yeah. home gym attached to his freaking house. Good to be Mike Conley, what, what, what about the outcry? Why is there outcry about that? This is the man's profession. He has money to build himself a gym. Why wouldn't he? He does make 30-plus million a year. I think he probably has saved up enough to build a freaking gym if he wants to. Tell you what, if I had money, I'd build myself a radio station in my house. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I want to hone my craft. Well, I agree, and but but you know the, the the social media backlash out there that's ready to get outraged over everything. It, it's happened with uh, like celebrity Instagrams and stuff where they're saying messages stay home, you know, but they're doing it from these palaces, and everybody's like, "Oh, I bet you know quarantine is tough on you. Looks difficult." So we wanted him down at the elementary school in the blacktop. <laughs> I'm I'm not saying I'm part of the online outrage because I I understand that if I made that kind of scratch, I certainly wouldn't be living in a one bedroom apartment. You know, we wanted well, him with the hoop with no it, backboard in the, well, yeah. the alleyway with know. with the chains yeah. for the for the net. What what are we doing here? What do people think NBA players spend their money on? And what do they, what do they care? I mean, they know that these guys make a lot of money. What's the big deal with Mike Conley having a gym? I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. It's just I under and I understand, uh, quote unquote, the common man. You know, because I'm a man of the people. I am. You know. Yeah. And, but, and, and but I Gordon, and I understand that. But if the man makes have, thirty, uh, a big stash of money. <laughs> but here, here, if the if man you... makes thirty-three million dollars a year, who cares whether he buys a diamond for his wife or builds a freaking gym at his house? Yeah, but if you just fist fought a forty-five-year-old man for the last can of chili, the last thing you want to see <laughs> is <laughs> Mike Conley's comfortable lifestyle. Does that I make sense? You know, then what do you do? You vote for Bernie Sanders? What do you? What do you? What do you want? You no. want some sort of revolution in America? This is the way it's been since time began, right? I mean, some people have more money than others, and Mike Conley's got a lot of money. It's good. To Why? Have because a, a big stash of money. I mean, he was the highest-paid NBA player for a period of time. What? What are you supposed to do? Is he supposed to live? Otherwise, it's expensive being rich. I, I understand what you're saying, Gordon, and I certainly understand why you would uh, sympathize with Mike in this regard. But again, I, I think the person who just fit, fist fought a 45-year-old for the last can of chili isn't really wild about your opinion right now either. It's good to be rich. <laughs> but wait a so, minute. Oh, I understand that there are some people that are, are in difficult situations, especially right now. I mean, come on. Uh -huh, you know, I, I, uh -huh. I get that. Exactly. But, that's the but whole what point. Do you want, okay, but what do you want Mike Conley to do? Nothing. But, what, but what that's the, why people uh, are irritated, because they're not in the mood to see how the other half lives at the moment. <laughs> I mean, but, but geez, so if you were him, would you have gone down to the local elementary school, uh, like Austin was saying? I'm, I'm saying if there was a, a, you know, a webcast portion of this show from your house, you'd probably be getting some sim similar, you know, feedback. Oh man, it's a, it's America. 
Doesn't everybody want? Doesn't everybody who plays basketball want to be like Mike? You know, they, don't they? Don't they want to have that for themselves? I, 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 if if you don't have it, well, I, okay. So what are we supposed to do? Mike Conley sitting there going, okay. Uh, I just uh, I have a contract here for $150 million or something. Uh, am I not allowed to have these kinds of things for myself? And like Austin pointed out, it is his profession. It's a place he can go practice. It's a place he can work out. So he's not supposed to do that. And it, it, What is he supposed to do, Jake? Where do you draw the line? Is he supposed to only make a, I mean, only take a certain portion of his money and use it for himself, and then donate the rest? What is it that we're looking for? I'm here? not here to to tell anybody how to uh, how to live or how to spend their money, um, but I'm guessing no one forced him to participate in that horse competition. Well, weren't they, that made it more interesting for me? Right, it made it more interesting for me too. But, I have a nice car. I mean, <laughs> jeez. You know, this is an interesting question beyond just sports, because anybody that has ever made a nickel or two, uh, you got to decide what you're going to do with that money and how charitable do you want to be? How much? How much do you want to volunteer over to other other causes? It's something that probably anybody who makes a certain amount of money, the thought has to go through their mind, and they have to process that, or they should process that, about what they want to do with it. We'll have a new segment coming up right around the corner. What's going on? Headed your way next, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. After the recession, I dropped 90 mil. Well, I've recouped that and doubled it. This, this, this is Hansel.